This podcast is presented by All Copy Products, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at allcopyproducts.com. To the 15, to the 10, Murray's going to score, touchdown! Welcome to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. Connor to the 10, to the 5, and into the end zone for the touchdown! The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by Arizona Cardinals Podcast. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast. Here we go. One-handed catch and a touchdown. Oh, baby. How's that feel? Here's Craig Grealoux, Mike Jarecki, and 13-year NFL veteran Drew Stanton. OTAs are officially underway. Who was out there? Who wasn't out there? What does that mean? We're going to talk about all that as well as some exciting news that broke regarding the Arizona Cardinals in this upcoming season and much more right here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Get your seat in a seat. Alongside Mike Jarecki and Drew Stanton, I'm Danny Sarek filling in for Craig Grelu. Guys, football is back. To some degree, right? We're going to take OTAs. We're going to take what we can get, even though it's not intense practices, but being able to be out there with the media and Watching the team kind of get together, most of the team, we should say. It's exciting. Football's back. Well, when you get to the start of phase three of off-season workouts, it means OTAs. You can go 11-on-11 for the first time in the off-season. No pads, no contact allowed. And we got a chance to see, you know, 11-on-11 yesterday. Obviously, they're not, you know going 100 miles an hour so you know that's part of the process when you get to this point you know there's 90 players out there uh, well maybe 80 players out there but you know when it comes to that kind of stuff and really this is where you build a foundation and, and for the new guys you start to get that connection with your new teammates how exciting this is this time as a player drew is this kind of when it kind of hits you like okay it's 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 go time now all the work you've been working on you know by yourself up until this point like now it's now it's time to really get going in the offseason. Yeah, well, I think you have a better sense of what the team is going to look like, right? Now the free agency is over with, now the draft's over with, and now you're done working out, and you've kind of spent that time, and you've laid the groundwork, and this is just another step in the process of getting ready for the regular season. You get in here, you get your work, you feel good about the nuances of the offense that are going to change, the direction that it's going to change because of the pieces that are in place, and you start adding it together. And, and I think uh, from a quarterback perspective, you get the luxury of going back and watching all of the film over the last couple of years. You see, okay, this is where we want to go with the guys that we have. And it's on tape now. And you can coach off of the tape. And then you can also sit there and you can learn. You can put the time in right now because it's not so strenuous. It's not so, you know, Groundhog Day of each day. Every Monday is the same. Every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So now you get the luxury of really slowing things down. And MJ's point of bringing some of these young guys along that really need it that you're going to rely on or depend upon and you know having a veteran presence like Colt McCoy that's here that knows the offense now he's not learning himself he can now go give that knowledge away to some of these younger wide receivers are going to have to play some of these younger running backs even the communication on the offensive line. So from a quarterback's perspective, this is great because it's about the skill players and about helping them and being a younger guy that's confident and, and um, really raising that level because you're going to have to rely a lot on a lot of these guys that we might not even know, right? Training camp's going to do that. But heading into training camp, you want to put your best foot forward to be prepared to go into training camp of saying, hey, I had a great spring, I had a great OTA session, and I turned some heads to be able to say, I'm going to make this roster or I'm going to make a difference if my time comes on the field. Would you say this is more of a passing camp? It's just because you really can't run the ball. I mean, you can run your formation. More of a passing camp when we get to this point? 
Yeah, well, I think that there's still benefits of you know the, the offensive line and defensive line and rush lanes and gaps and all that stuff that that's so important, right? And we haven't had that luxury in the past couple of years of teaching these young guys what's going on. There's different holes, there's different assignments, there's different alignments, and yeah, it gets a little bit more chippy out there depending on the team that you have as far as the run games um, pertain to. But at the same time, yes, this becomes all of a pass-happy two-minute drill, end-of-game scenarios. You start to really slow things down and we used to always start out with the run period in the beginning and then sprinkle in some runs but the majority of that's going to work itself out in training camp the 2022 season we've been saying has been in full swing since the last couple months combine draft all of that but seeing the players out on the field really makes it feel more real and it's you know time to kind of move past how 2021 ended we got a chance to talk to some players uh, with the media after practice Monday afternoon, one of whom was Safety Buddha Baker, who talked a lot about him stepping up as a leader, especially now that Chandler Jones joined the Raiders in free agency, Jordan Hicks with the Minnesota Vikings. And this is what he had to say on kind of changing things this year where guys might have been feeling a little too comfortable in 2021. We're just taking it one day at a time, you know, one week at a time. And if we can do that, will win you know you guys saw us do that first you know eight nine games of last year and I felt like guys possibly might have got comfortable you know a lot of headlines a lot of guys you know a lot of wins you know and all that type of stuff but it's up to you know us as professionals to ignore the noise and just to take it one week at a time because if we do you know we believe we're a great football team and this year I think we're going to be a, a way better team than we were last year. Drew, what's the fine line between moving on from last season, especially the way it ended, while still learning those lessons and carrying them into this season without dwelling on the past? Well, I think you just look at what they were and how they happened and you you correct the mistakes and the errors that happened or when it slipped away, you know, like Buddha was talking about. They kept preaching the one-day mentality, 1-0, one 1-0, one and, oh, one and, oh, and all of a sudden they looked up and they had all these wins and they're like, oh, man we're going to go with playoffs we're doing this they lost that mentality and Buddha kind of alluded to it there like they got comfortable and all that so I think being able to identify that earlier um, but everybody plays this game for different reasons there's different motivations and there's different things but I think the biggest thing in uh, Buddha does such a good job of this is being able to lead authentically yes he needs to step up as a leader because some of these pieces are going to be gone but there's new leaders that are coming in there's new leaders that are going to be around and leadership can look many different ways it can be vocal it can be physical I mean Larry wasn't the most vocal person that I ever played with but he led by the way he conducted himself on a daily basis and I think that is what can galvanize a group that can galvanize a team to make them better so they can weather those storms and those storms are much shorter than all of a sudden these dips that we saw last year or have seen you know in the last couple of years where all of a sudden it goes off the rails and there's no getting it back so being able to have you know one voice one guy especially somebody like buddha that everybody can kind of look to and when he speaks people listen that's going to mean a lot i mean i remember a guy like carlos dansby he did such a good job of always carrying himself like a professional and when he spoke and he broke down the huddle or he had to energize a group or get the thing back on track guys listened and they didn't question anything they just went out there and did their job this is really <coughs> excuse me this is really the first time where a player of his ilk came out and said that maybe this team got comfortable. So he kind of gave us a little insight there. And 
I guess when you're winning and you're still putting the work in, but all of a sudden maybe you just think you got to step on the field. And I don't know if that was the case. Obviously, injuries, losing J.J. Watt and DeAndre Hopkins. But for the most part, I mean, he is the glue of the defense, and he's going to have a bigger role. And, you know, he's mentioned that he thinks the safeties are the quarterbacks of this defense. You know, you start looking at the, the cornerbacks. Um, you know, that was a strength going into the season. And then by the end of the season, uh, there were some holes in the secondary. So, But this is really the first time that maybe a player of his ilk came out and said we maybe were feeling too comfortable. It's the first time I've heard that. Yeah, and, and as this team moves forward into the 2022 season, OTAs is the great start for that. And, you know, we've talked about it's it's not intense practicing. It's more about just getting those reps. And head coach Cliff Kingsbury was asked what he tries to get out of these OTAs. And here was his answer. You know, it's good to have them around each other, first and foremost, after a couple of years of not having that much time. I think team building is, is big, just being in the locker room, weight room, doing things together. And then a lot of uh, mental reps. Just It's one thing to be in the meeting rooms and they're nodding and say they got it, but it's another thing to go out there and apply it and be able to coach from the film, um, whether it's full speed or, or walkthroughs. And, and um, so the mental stuff is, is huge. It's exactly what you were saying earlier, Drew. As a player, to get the most out of OTAs, does it differ if you are a rookie or a four-year veteran, does it matter if you're in a specific position group? Uh, well, I think that all of that stuff matters in the long run because we're being evaluated on our tape, as Cliff was talking about. What you put on film is your resume, and we've talked about that before in games, but in practice right now, that's what they're basing everything off of. It's this next step in the journey, and some of these young guys, like they get nervous just going out on that field. Being a veteran that was established within an offense, knew it, I still went in with the mentality of, okay, what can I learn this day that I didn't know? What adjustment can I have in this protection if I need to be? And then how can I give that knowledge away? I mean, I, I would try and slow things down so much of, over communicate in OTAs because you want these young wide receivers that might not have been used to being seen like hots and sights and points stuff out or having offensive linemen that are worried because you have a new kid playing center that you know doesn't identify the mic right away so over communicating allowing guys to play to their best of their ability and feel comfortable on top of learning and educating and then teaching off the film I mean that's the beauty of this and the structure of OTAs everything is about the mental approach of how you can build off of that and that's why it's been such a travesty to not have it for these young guys because you get thrown into the fire and some of these guys on defense especially we've seen what a detriment it's been to them because all of a sudden you get thrown in the deep end and you can't swim and it's like I can't make an adjustment here and then it's paralysis by analysis and you see that at every position depending on the guys but if there's a core group of guys that are kind of bringing everybody along offensively and defensively which I think exists here in this franchise you're going to benefit immensely and Cliff was even talking about is like sometimes it's just a matter of getting this nucleus together and you start pulling everybody in the same direction in the camaraderie because once the season comes those blinders are on and it's Groundhog's Day and you're going okay what do we need to win this week what do we need to win this week and once that transpires you might you know not necessarily understand fully and you're going to get left behind and you're going to get left in the dust. MJ, you were out at practice at OTAs on Monday. You got to be out there for a long time with the media. What stood out to you? Well, just the tempo of the practice, and, and they hired a new um, uh, defensive line coach in Matt Burke, and he's got some different drills. And, you know, I was a big fan of Brinson Buckner, but I think a new voice will go a long way. They're doing different drills, and you can see he's more about technique and, you know, getting off the ball, the explosion. You know, obviously, J.J. Watt's going 100 miles an hour. You were out there. And then just some of these, you know, the fact that they signed six tryout guys. You know, I look at a guy like Christian Blake, uh, 30, he was number 39. 
He was with the Falcons, a special teams player. He's got good size, 6'1", 182. I like uh, what Zach Ertz is doing. I mean, Zayvon Collins is making the calls. Um, he looks more comfortable, more confident. Greg Dortch, to me, it looks like he's more comfortable when it comes to him kind of catching punts and and receiving. And I know Cliff is a big fan of Greg Dortch, so you know, you know, you like to see uh, Hollywood Brown here. Obviously, Hop's not you know, here or is not practicing unless I don't know that. And AJ Green. So it was good to see the veterans out here. But I can't say enough about Zach Ertz. You know. You could see all these guys are in their second year. They're much more comfortable. You could see how they walk around the facility now. And, you know, I think Hop could have been a captain. I don't know how that's going to affect it now. But I, I would think Zach Ertz should be a captain on this team. He's got that much leadership. And he's going to be a guy that's going to be able to take a guy like Trey McGride under his wing. And uh, I think McGride, very uh, good route runner. Obviously, he's got to learn the system. Um, but he's soft when he catches the ball, runs up the field. So, I'm encouraged just based on a couple of the draft picks, but also, you know, the guys that are returning. And I think Nick Vigil is a guy that stood out to me. Just, you know, I think we know that Isaiah and Zabin are going to be your inside linebackers, but Nick Vigil is a guy that's going to replace Jordan Hicks. We could see more of him uh, versus maybe a guy like Kennard, and you're still going to have Marcus Golden out there. An early observation was quarterback Kyler Murray was not out on the field at OTAs, and when asked about his absence, here is what Buda Baker had to say. For me, I honestly think that I know K1 is working really hard. I know that he, you know, is doing all the things that he can, uh, whether it's talking to the coaches, talking to the players, and I know that when he gets here, he's going to be ready. There's going to be no drop off, and um, you know, I'm excited for you know when when the whole team gets together. We should make it clear that OTAs are voluntary, and Kyler Murray was not the only veteran, not the only starter who was not out on the field. So we should make that clear for everybody listening. It wasn't just Kyler Murray. Drew, not having your starting quarterback there, though, what would the camaraderie be around this team? Is that a concern for you in any sense? Yeah, what do you think, MJ? (laughs) (laughs) um yeah it's a concern if i'm being completely honest with you yes that is a concern um you know i am very uh hesitant to criticize quarterbacks or anything like that but you're the leader of the team you're not here and um you know there is a business component to it as well so you you understand that it's too bad it's not like he's some player that's going to go out there and hurt himself throwing a football it's not he's not putting himself in harm's way I think uh, with the way that the season ended last year, I would have liked to see my starting quarterback say, hey, you know what, I'm not content with what went on, and I'll let all of that money stuff or whatever reason he's not here. I don't know what it's for. But at the same time, Colt's getting all these reps. You know, All these young guys are getting reps and doing that. So uh, it is, it's completely voluntary. And there's, you know, he has his prerogative to not be here. But at the same time, I would like my starting quarterback to be here working on stuff, working with new guys. Now, I know he's working with Holly Brown probably somewhere else and doing that, but he's not seeing coverage. They're not talking about different stuff. And, yes, they worked on stuff at Oklahoma. This is a different speed. It's a different animal that you're dealing with. It's different adjustments. It's the whole picture that you have to look at. It's not just two guys and how they're going to fit in and plug in when they come in. Now, does Kyler have the talent to do it? Yes. Is this all to do about nothing because this is the end of May and we can sit and dissect everything? A hundred percent. But it's still disheartening the fact that the franchise quarterback is not in the building, getting to know everybody here, doing everything that he can to make sure this team is as good as they can be heading into training camp. You're right. Kyler Murray has been working out in Dallas with Hollywood Brown. And when Kingsbury was asked about not seeing his newest wide receiver and his quarterback out here at OTAs, this is what he had to say. 
I've seen them together, live and in person on the other team, and it was not fun for me. So I know what it looks like. But no, I think, like I've said before, I think as a coach, you, you want to have these guys here all the time, but it's just um, not how the rules are set up and different guys handle it different ways. I think one of the biggest things that came out of Kingsbury talking to the media was him saying, yes, he does expect Kyler Murray to be here for mandatory minicamp, which is June 14th through June 16th. Well, the difference is it's mandatory. And if you're under contract, you could get fined. Uh, the only thing I could say is is both parties have communicated, and there's other players. There's probably five to eight players that are veterans weren't here yesterday, so they they check in with their position coach, and obviously they relate it to their head coach. It to me, it's more. It's really about the perception, and, and I he he speaks like a, a guy that's played in the league, and he knows how important this is in the off season. So I I, I couldn't agree more. Um, but the thing is, it's not like he's in Cabo. He should be here. Unfortunately. Um, they have communicated, and so it seems like everyone's on the same page. So, but the fact that he's not here, that's just more, you think, camaraderie standpoint, right? I mean, Carson didn't do OTAs, but he was still here doing stuff. Not to compare one player to the next, because that's not fair. But to be in the building and still be around, I think there's value in that. Because Kyler Murray's been here throughout the offseason working out. But you're right, OTAs, OTAs are different. Yeah, and, and, and again, that's what you have to um, you know, try to figure out. Hopefully he gets here sooner rather than later. Well, we have more OTAs talk coming up, along with some exciting breaking news. Some all-access, behind-the-scenes look for the entire season for the Arizona Cardinals next year. All that and more, so stay tuned with us on Cardinals Red Sea Report. Caught it at the 40, turns right to the 30, back to the left of the 20. Connor to the 10, to the 5, and into the end zone for the touchdown. Picked off near side by Murphy at the 30, running it back to the left of the 20, 10, 5, touchdown. Turns right, stiff arming at the 5, and then diving into the end zone. A.J. Green. Straight drop back, Wilson in trouble, sacked by Isaiah Simmons. In the pocket, gets hit by Golden, sacked again. At the 40-yard line, have a day. Marcus Golden throws a fade left side in the end zone, and it is caught for a touchdown by Dehop. Lobs it far side, Ertz with the catch of the 30, loose of the 20, far side, 15-10-5, touchdown, Zach Ertz. Tip incomplete, it was tipped, and it was J.J. Watt who got it. Back to throw Murray in trouble, spins out of there to his left, being chased by two Vikings, and launches it deep, wide open near side of the 40s, Rondell Moore caught at the 30, at the 20, at the 15, 10-5, touchdown. Kyler Murray, you are ridiculous. Kyler Murray is nasty. Wow. The stuff you see in dreams and in video games. The Arizona Cardinals will be featured on this season of HBO's Hard Knocks. Not the normal Hard Knocks where it's just through training camp. That goes to the Detroit Lions this year. The Cardinals will be featured throughout the season. Last year it was the Indianapolis Colts as the inaugural team to do so. And this year it's the Cardinals, which is exciting. Pros and cons, which we will talk about. But MJ why does it make sense for the Cardinals to get all these eyes on them this season? Well, you know, it's a little bit different than all or nothing. And, and Drew Stanton was involved in that. And, you know, NFL films were here and he'll get into, you know, maybe the quarterbacks didn't want cameras in, in their room. But, you know, this is a great uh, opportunity to, uh, to build a brand up. And, you know, Kingsbury kind of alluded to yesterday when you're on when you're on camera. Uh, maybe you're going to watch what you say. 
I think we're, they're going to try to get some personalities out. And the Indianapolis Colts last year, they they started going on a winning streak when they started uh, filming them. I think they lost three out of their last six. And, of course, I did watch that last episode. It was heartbreaking when they lost to Jacksonville. So, you know, we know the Cardinals have had these slides in the second half of the season. Maybe it, we see some more accountability, and hopefully they can figure that out. But, um, again, it, there is some pros and cons to it. And, you know, I, I think at the end of the day the team will have, you know, act, um, final say on what – with you know broadcast and I think Mark Dalton's going to do a good job to where he's going to give these guys you know storylines so they can obviously you know bring up stories maybe we haven't heard before right Mark Dalton with the media relations department Thank the you. first episode will come out in November so they'll have a small crew out here again the first couple weeks and then it'll be full steam ahead when Cliff Kingsbury was asked about being on Hard Knocks it's it's almost a little ironic because we know that Kingsbury is at least with the media a little more introverted Right. So the fact that he's going to have all these cameras on him and, and he told us, you know, he's looking at it in a positive light and he's looking at the good that having all these cameras on him and the rest of his team can bring to them. We obviously struggled back half of last season. It has an opportunity to come in and guys will, will perk up when the camera's around. You don't want to look bad on camera. It's just kind of human nature. And, and so, um, if, like I said, if we approach it the right way and still continue to be our authentic selves, I think it'd be a real, real push at that point. Drew, you have a little experience being on camera with All or Nothing here with the Cardinals, with Hard Knocks throughout training camp with the Browns in 2018. Do you think that's true when the cameras are on, you kind of step up your game? Uh, you know, I think it depends on the person, to be honest. I think that sometimes when you just get used to having them around, I mean, they were they were here that whole time for All or Nothing, and they just kind of became a regular presence. You got to know the guys that were the film guys, you know, got to know the producers. So, you know, they were here for the whole duration, um, which was vastly different than Hard Knocks, where it was like training camp with the Browns. There was all the turmoil around the Browns, and Hugh Jackson coming off 1-31 and and 0-16 season. So different storylines. Everybody's trying to get those points across with, hard knocks and hard knocks has been around for a very long time so i have not seen the colts from last year but i think having more time to space things out and get a true storyline established and as you guys alluded to with mark dalton they'll do a phenomenal job here of making sure that the brand is put in the best possible light because i think as a player you can see it as a distraction or it can just go away there's a lot of different ways and some guys these personalities love to take off or do different stuff or you know i can see somebody like dennis gardak like being the star of the show just because that's he's charismatic all those things where most guys they just want to go about their job they want to do their job to the best of their ability and if somebody's filming it it's not going to change or do anything like there's certain you know places that everybody sees stuff in the weight room in the lunchroom, on the practice field, pre, post-practice, all of those things that kind of transpire. And it can be a distraction if you let it be a distraction. If you just go about your business and you operate, you know, the, the professional that you are, which there's many on this team that will just put their head down and continue to work and it won't matter if anything is around them, then it is what it is and it becomes a good piece to be able to show everybody what the 2022 Arizona Cardinals are all about. So really, it's more secondary. And now, you guys didn't want any cameras in your room, correct? <laughs> yes, yeah. We that, uh, that was very clear. That was very clear. Well, in the quarterback rooms, you know, in particular, like there's some really tough conversations, decisions that need to be made, but there has to be transparency in there. And if you feel like you can't fully share that because it's being filmed, you know, sometimes you have tough conversations about teammates. You would hate for that to get out um, because you're trying to do that, or you have open book discussions on certain guys that might be struggling, how to help assist them, all that stuff that doesn't necessarily need to be, you know, put on tape. I think is important. Um, 
But at the same time, if it's on the practice field, if it's content and you're doing this, you never want to have your guard let down. And I think sometimes, you know, we kind of had a rule in the quarterback room, too, of everywhere I've been. If you're mic'd up for that game, you need to let everybody else know around you because I think that's only fair. And not to be said that like some guy's going to say something stupid or do that because they do a good job of trying to put everybody in the best light. But at the same time, you at least want to know that's the case. So with within what we were doing and that time frame as far as the all or nothing when we were pushing forward, uh, we just requested that it not be in there and they were fantastic about it we gave them other content i remember carson like wrote in how to ride in the car with them and do different stuff there's other ways to be able to get to know somebody than have the a camera shining down on somebody all the time and you don't know if it's recording or the red light it gave us like anxiety we were like get this thing out of here please <laughs> so tom well, Moore, tom moore was all about it too he's like yeah get that thing out of here we don't need that <laughs> Well, they, they picked the right room with the defensive backs, right? Oh, my gosh, yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> Personality yeah. all yeah. over. Oh, yeah. No, and the same thing. Like, you do, you either put it in the, in the wide receiver room, the D-line room, or the DB's room, and you will get the best content ever. I mean, that's where Jarvis, when I was in Cleveland, you know, like he, he got up there and he had that passionate speech about a bunch of guys not practicing. You know, that, Well, that's right, yeah. Yeah, that's how, that's how he is. So you're going to get good content, especially over the duration that you're here. Um, it just gives you more insight. And for the people that are diehard Arizona Cardinals fans or want to know more about what it's like to live the life in the NFL, it's a great opportunity to put out this type of media content for people to get a better feel. You mentioned Dennis Gardeck, and I think that's a great person to think about who Hard Knocks will probably gear one of their side stories to. There's going to be a lot more than the normal Hard Knocks because they're going to mm-hmm. have all season. And I've been trying to think, you know, the big names, you would imagine, Buda Baker, Kyler Murray, J.J. Watt, right, going to get attention. But some of those, you know, maybe players that you would be surprised to learn more about and be really intrigued by their stories, I've been thinking – and I think my answer would come down to like, you know, I think a Rondell Moore, you know, a Tweezy in the wide receivers room. I think the pair of Marco Wilson and Isaiah Simmons would be really great. And I also think DJ Humphreys would be a really great person, like personality wise. I just feel like every yeah, time no, we'd love to, I'm, like, I'm sure he would sign up for that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. I feel like every time we've talked to DJ last season, at least when I was here was he always had something funny to talk about with the media. Who do you think is going to like be a surprise superstar on Hard Knocks? Well, besides the names you mentioned, I mean, you know, guys like maybe uh, Isaiah Simmons or somebody that maybe is on the offensive line. I mean, Kelvin Beecham has a lot of side interest. Um, he's a very interesting guy. Rodney Hudson we don't hear a lot from. See, I think the difference in hard knocks is they find that undrafted free agent. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, they go back to the hotel room. He's waiting for the phone to ring, and the phone rings, and then they, they tell him he's going to practice squad. Here, we're going to be in midseason. So I think Hop's going to be one of the stars because just because of his personality. Um, he has a lot of outside interest, and he's a guy that, you know, likes being in front of the camera. So I think Hop will have a, a big part. Yeah, head coach Cliff Kingsbury agreed with you when he was asked about that too. If they could go film Hop while you're suspended, that would be the best TV ever. But I don't think they can. Yeah, I don't know. Like I said, I think there's a lot of kind of um, really high character men that we get to work with, whether it's staff, coaches, players every day. So just to kind of tell some of their background stories and get to know them on that level, I think it'll be great for our fans. 
Drew, who you think is going to stand out? Aaron Brewer. <laughs> Brewdog. Brewdog will steal the show. What those about special teams guys? Yeah. Those guys, those, those three right. together? Yeah. For sure. He, oh, my he, gosh. You know, that's a great call because, I mean, I think if you add up all their years, I think they had the most tenure oh, for in sure. the yeah. entire National Football League. And Matt Prater's got personality. Andy yeah. Lee. Bruce, kind of funny once you get him to start talking. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like that. I think, too, it'll be fun to get to know the coaching staff. That That's really neat as well as, you know, these coaches work so hard. It's not to take away, but it's more than just Cliff Kingsbury and Vance Joseph and, you know, Jeff Rogers doing all this work. So I think that's really exciting, too, to get to see these coaches and, you know, let them have their flowers as well. Well, I think Sean Jefferson has personality. Sean Coogler, I mean, you know, Billy Davis and Car- Charlie Bolin. I like the defensive backs coaches, even Matt Burke. So, yeah, I do think we're going to see more from the coaching staff just what the daily uh, lifestyle is when it, when it comes to putting a game plan together. And maybe we'll get to see a less introverted version of Cliff Kingsbury. All the players love, you know, say he's so fun and jokes around with them. I'm hoping we get to see a little more of that as well. Red Sea episode 30 of the Dave Pash podcast featuring Cardinals defensive lineman J.J. Watt is available now. To catch up on the past episodes, follow the Dave Pash podcast via your preferred podcast provider. Get the latest episodes via Twitter at PashPod. Here we go. Here we go. Ain't getting this ball. Damn, I got a bug in my ear. You just got to tighten it down on that unfollow if you're number three just because you got to get over there. Let's go. Give me that ball. Living the dream. Look at this thing, man. There's palm trees. Football paradise, that's right. Come on, we gotta catch that, man. Catch the ball. All day. Bring it up, bring it up, bring it up. Hey, good job today, man. High energy, keep it up, man. Keep rolling. Team on three, one, two, three. That was rookie tight end Trey McBride mic'd up at practice. You can hear the full version, see it with video on the Cardinals YouTube channel, youtube.com slash azcardinals. As we welcome you back into the Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek alongside Mike Jarecki and Drew Stanton, I'm Danny Serac. It's been really interesting to see Trey McBride practice at, you know, rookie minicamp through the videos that we posted on our social media and website and then being out at OTAs on Monday because he was the second-round draft pick, but he was the highest draft pick for the Cardinals this year after trading out of the first round to get Hollywood Brown from the Ravens. And you can tell he is stepping in into that leadership role as the highest-drafted rookie, which usually obviously goes to that first-rounder, but he seems to be filling that role amongst the rookies quite nicely. Yeah, and I've always thought, you know, whoever's in your draft class, you're you're attached for your entire career. And, you know, you look at Colin Murray's draft class, and, 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 you know, when you look at Byron Murphy and then Zach Allen, I mean, these guys are attached. So you come in with the class, and, you know, a lot of those guys are on defense. Only a couple are on offense, but... He's going to learn a ton from a guy like Zach Ertz. And Steve Hyden's a really good coach. I really like the staff on both sides of the ball, especially on special teams. So, yeah, I mean, I I don't know what the expectations are early on. I mean, you know, he's going to have to block at some point in time. Um, Craig didn't think he was as big as Zach Ertz, and and I just – said give him a little time he's going to fill out obviously when they get on a meal plan and he start working out with buddy morris but he looks the part i could tell you that and he catches the ball very fluid um he's turning up the field he's got soft hands now you're not this is the nfl though it's not colorado state so the competition is going to be a lot uh, higher when he goes to play in these games in the upcoming season probably no better tight end to learn from and be a sponge around than zach Ertz. drew from your experience 
being a mentor or being mentored, you know, this was coming up, especially the last couple of weeks, you know, out in Tennessee with Ryan Tannehill. Uh, how do you view it now, I should say, compared to maybe how when you were a player, the idea of a veteran mentoring a younger player because you obviously want to put the team in the best position to where if somebody has to step up, they're capable. But at the end of the day, everybody's still fine to keep your spot on the roster, right? Yeah, well, I think there it, it's a case-by-case scenario, and it also depends on the person um, on both sides, right? Like for me, once I was a young guy that was trying to learn and go pick people's brains like John Kitna, Dan Orlovsky, I feel like I could learn from anybody around me, and I still felt like that later on in my career. I was learning from younger guys. I mean, I learned stuff from Andrew Luck. From I mean, Matthew's only two years younger than me, but from Matthew Stafford, even Baker Mayfield. I'm constantly learning because you have to evolve. You can't stay stagnant within that. And saying that, once you kind of make that transformation and you become a quote-unquote vet, you have this knowledge to give away. Um, and the guys that that are willing to absorb it, that's where you see that jump made. And so I, I was always willing to pro-offer information. I was always willing to help young guys out because I was a young guy that was trying to learn. And the same facet, you can try and help some young guys, but if they're not willing to learn it, if they're not absorbing it, if they're not applying it, then it becomes a whole different uh, scenario of – well, I'm not going to waste my time trying to do this because they're not even willing to do it on their own end. And and so I think there's a balance within it. Um, You know, there was much to do about the Ryan Tannehill situation from my personal perspective, right? I understand that Ryan wasn't aware they were going to draft a quarterback. He was a later-round pick. He wasn't a first overall pick. He wasn't a first-round pick. He's not a guy that's going to come in and threaten his job right away. So I think Ryan, uh, you know, with his comments that he's come out with about saying that and knowing Ryan a little bit that I do, it could have been misconstrued because I don't think he was coming out and saying, hey, you know what, he's on his own. I'm leaving him for the Wolves. That's not that by any case um, of the matter, and I think that he's trying to clarify it now. but you also don't have to take back what you don't say. So if Ryan had just chose his words a little bit more eloquently and said, hey, like, I'm focused on being the starting quarterback. And I think that the organization tried to surround him with that without without really indicting him on it and, and indirectly saying, look, Ryan's our starter. This is the case. Um, but there's so much knowledge for a guy like Zach Ertz. It's a Pro Bowl guy that's been there, done that. You know, everybody can learn from him, not just the tight end. Any young guy that's been around that that wants to learn and see it from that lens I think is so important because these young guys, you want to speed up that learning curve. And when I got to Cleveland, I didn't know Baker besides some of the stuff that I'd seen online or, or anything like that. And I just tried to have him let his guard down. I said, I am here to help you. The sole reason I am here... Tyrod's the starter. You're the backup right now. I'm the third string guy, and I'm literally here to just help you and help this team be as good as they can be to help get them on a winning streak. And so I think that helped to cultivate that trust and that respect that we had for each other because it's got to be a two-way street. Tannehill is at OTAs, and he addressed the media, quote, as soon as things blew up, he reached out to Malik Willis and said he would be a great teammate to him. So it looks like everyone's on the same page, and obviously he's at uh, OTAs uh, there in Nashville. You know, one of the things that Zach Ertz said when he, you know, I asked him what it was like to be a rookie, and he he had the benefit of working with uh, Brent Selleck and James Casey. And he said that they really, Casey would watch film at 4 a.m. And Selleck was another guy. So he, you know, he knows what it's like to be that guy um, when you're walking into a, a new team. And, you know, he he mentioned Hollywood Brown. He said he hasn't played with a guy like that probably since Deshaun Jackson. So he's really excited about just having another weapon on the field. But Zach, Zach you're right. The way he practices, 
if you're anybody and you're, you're thinking, man, this guy just signed a three-year contract, and he and he admitted yesterday, I'm in a different situation here. I just signed a three-year. I'm, I'm all in. I want to be here, mm-hmm. and that makes total sense. But you watch the way he practices, and if you're you're figuring, well, how many more reps we got to get? And this guy just got paid, and he, he wants more. He knows they drafted a tight end in the second round, but he's he's. And again, I think he should be a captain this year. I don't know if the Cardinals ever had a tight end as captain, but the way he practices, hopefully it can you know wear off on some of these young guys that are thinking that's what it's like to be a pro. This is the time of the offseason where it's all about learning and asking those questions because by the time you get to training camp, you need to know the playbook and you need to know what's going on. So that's why this is what Buda Baker likes to tell the rookies at this point in the offseason while they're working. Once training camp starts, there's no more, I didn't know what an overfront was or I didn't know what an underfront is. It's like you got to know just like the starters. So that's what I like to tell them right now so they understand that there's no slacking once we get to the camp. Like I should know this whole playbook, and if I don't, I'm wrong because I had the resources, I had the coaches, I had the players to ask questions, and you're a professional at the end of the day. It's not just about learning if you're a rookie from veterans in your position group. It's also about learning from the players you're lining up against, which is why when our Paul Calvisi talked to rookie offensive lineman Lasita Smith about a potential camp matchup with J.J. Watt, this is what he had to say. Have you had the thought, there's going to be an O-line, D-line drill, full pads, full contact, and there's a chance that I could line up in a three-point stance and I'm staring straight across at 99 J.J. Watt. That's going to be a welcome to the NFL moment, won't it? Yes, I think it will be. I'm going to pray that it won't. I'm going to pray that, you know, he doesn't teach me a lesson. I'm going to definitely try to hold my own. I mean, the guy is definitely a legend, undoubtedly a Hall of Famer. So, I mean, I hope he can teach me a thing or two from that rep or those reps I I take against him. But it's definitely – like, I'm going to be standing across looking like, oh, my God, I'm about to take a rep from J.J. Wise. It's going to be crazy. Drew, what was your welcome to the NFL moment early on, maybe in training camp as a rookie? Oh, I don't know. I mean, there was a couple of them when I got out there. Like, cause, so I was in Calvin's draft class, um, Calvin Johnson, and we he was the first overall or the second overall pick, but the first round pick, I was the second round pick. So we always roomed together. And I just remember seeing him of just like, this is what NFL wide receivers look like? <laughs> and I'm like, but the nicest guy ever, so athletic. We're in rookie minicamp, and I'm trying to throw every single ball to him, right? Like, I was like, this guy is amazing. But. I don't know if that was that. So I had Mike Martz as an offensive coordinator, and he was very hard on quarterbacks. It's it's well documented. And one time he, like, whispered the play to me on purpose, and I finally heard him, like, laugh at one of the guys because he left his mic on. He was like, hey, see if he can figure this out. And I was like, this guy is purposely sabotaging me to see if I'm going to be able to do it. I was like, I was mortified. And I was like, I stepped out of the huddle. I was like, hey, did anybody hear what he said? Because his play calls were so long. I mean, it was like a paragraph. And I couldn't learn it. Like, I was trying everything I could to do it. And luckily, Mike Furry, who is a wide receiver coach or was for the Chicago Bears last year. Awesome guy. He was with Mike Martz with the Rams. He's essentially what Cooper Cup was. Uh, so smart. And he was like, oh, yeah, he called this play. And I was like, oh, thank you. So we broke the <laughs> huddle, and I was like, okay. So that's a nice veteran. He's, a, he's forever on my uh, good list of, of Christmas cards. So, you know, I think that that's the way that it goes. But as far as, you know, that's the NFL, right? You're going to line up against J.J. Watt. But I'd be more concerned about lining up against Aaron Donald come game time because that's when it really counts. MJ, looking at the rookies, whether it's on offense or defense, what is a matchup you're looking forward to maybe throughout the rest of the offseason and into training camp? Uh, I want to see these two guards. Um, they're, they're both 314 pounds, Smith and um, Sanders. 
and, and I want to see them go against some one-on-one protection. I want to see, you know, those young cornerbacks. Um, you know, you look at Matthew. He's 6'2", 195. I want to see how he guards some of the receivers. So I like to see one-on-one matchups, and I think they're going to get that when they face the Titans in the, um, obviously, joint practices. Yeah, and it's going to be fun to see Hollywood Brown out there, right? Maybe against Marco or Byron or Jeff Gladney, newest cornerback for the Cardinals. Yeah, I think right now, if they you look at the top three corners, it's, it's probably Murphy, Gladney, and then throw in Marco Wilson. Cardinals season is quickly approaching. Home opener, season opener against the Kansas City Chiefs. Get your tickets now at azcardinals.com slash season. More Red Sea Report right after this. Chiefs up on the football, this time with a two-back set on first and goal. Tight right is Noah Gray. Going to give it off. Darrell Williams cuts it back to the left. After starting right into the end zone. Touchdown! Kansas City, Darrell Williams, smart and tough, cutting back to his left. Holmes barking up the calls, right foot in front of the left at the near hash. Takes the snap, throws it to the flat, Darrell Williams, 15, 10, 5, leads into the end zone, touchdown, Kansas City. The Raiders still aren't covering Darrell Williams. It's a 23-yard touchdown on a flat route and yards after the catch by D. Will. That's Mitch Holtus with the call from Chiefs Radio Network on running back Daryl Williams, whom the Cardinals are reportedly signing, who was with Kansas City last season. Welcome back into the Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek alongside Mike Drecke and Drew Stanton. I'm Danny Sirak. James Conner is the starting running back. We've known that for the Cardinals. They brought him back in free agency. However, they lost Chase Edmonds, and it was a tandem duo for the two of them last season. Edmonds is now with the Miami Dolphins. So it's not an entire surprise that the Cardinals reportedly are going to bring in another running back. Williams last year with the Kansas City Chiefs had 588 rushing yards, six rushing touchdowns, 47 catches for 452 yards with two receiving touchdowns and zero fumbles. And reportedly from Jordan Schultz, Mahomes has vouched for Darrell Williams. Why do you think this would be a good fit to bring in somebody to pair up with James Conner, MJ? Well, he visited a couple of weeks ago, and, and you know, as a veteran guy, you want to get in camp. And so, you know, obviously his asking price um, was a certain number, and then they try to come to an agreement. But to me, this is a great one-two punch. I mean, we know James Conner is going to be the bell cow, but, you know, 5'11", 219 pounds, um, you know, he's going to get a go chance against his, his team in the Chiefs and, and the fact that Patrick Mahomes vouched for him we know he has a relationship with Cliff Kingsbury so this makes a lot of sense and you start looking at that running back position you know if you're third or fourth string you're going to have to play on special teams and so now Jonathan Ward's a special teams guy you know they drafted Keontae Ingram in the sixth round um, and then you got uh, you know, Samuels, so you know Benjamin. So it's going to be interesting, but this is a great one-two punch, and this is what they wanted to do because, again, I think they're going to run the football in those first six games just to take pressure off the defense and obviously try to open up the passing game. Based on how this team performed when the run game was successful last season, Drew, and the moves they made to draft Keontae Ingram and to reportedly now sign Daryl Williams, what does that tell you about how they view the running game and how that affects the success of the overall offense? Well, I think the room in general, right, you always want to add as much talent to the room as possible. And you get a guy like this that, that's on the street now and, and the dust has settled from free agency and from the draft. And strategically, he's looking to see if this is a good fit. It's obviously a good fit for the Cardinals. So to get a, a player of his caliber at this point in time is huge. 
his skill set speaks for itself. I think the receiving yards coupled with the, the yards on the ground, they can match very well. And you talked about it with losing somebody like Chase Edmonds. I love the idea of getting them both on the field together. You get both those top two running backs on the, the field, and you see what defensive personnel shows up. And you can do different things, much like with 12 personnel, two tight ends on the, tight ends on the field. However you can establish a run game that's going to matter and be meaningful and do it different ways, and, and you know Cliff's very good at strategically finding good matchups, but then within that run game, what that looks like, uh, being able to free-release backs out of the backfield, being able to line them up in different spots, all of these things, this, this this running back in particular has a skill set that leads to a, a slot type of wide receiver anyway. So, again, knowing that DeAndre is going to be out for the time period he's out, this is a playmaker. You get the ball in his hands in any facet, and he's shown on tape in NFL games and meaningful games for the Kansas City Chiefs that he can be a, a playmaker. Something to keep in mind, DeAndre Hopkins is suspended the first six games, so that running game might be all the more important as this team has to adjust. I, I, I fully believe that, and it's going to start with the offensive line. Now, you still have Kyler Murray. He could be another a weapon in design runs, but clearly it starts up front, and if they can run the football and get a lead in the, in the, late in the fourth quarter, all of a sudden you've got multiple backs that can run the clock out. There's more OTAs coming next couple of weeks, so we'll see who's there, who maybe is going to wait for that mandatory minicamp. June 1st through the 3rd is the next round of voluntary OTAs with veterans and rookies, followed by June 6th through June 9th. That minicamp where Cliff Kingsbury said he expects to see Kyler Murray June 14th through the 16th. We're going to have coverage of all that on azcardinals.com, videos, articles, everything you'll want to know. Thanks so much for listening to the Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek for our senior broadcast manager and producer Jim Amohundro, technical director Cody Fincher, producer Stan and Mike Jarecki. I'm Danny Sarek. Thanks so much for listening to the Cardinals Red Sea Report on the Arizona Cardinals radio network. You've been listening to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. 15-10-5, touchdown, Zach Ertz. Buda Baker with the sack, stripped the ball. Murray's going to score, touchdown. Oh, baby. The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by the Arizona Cardinals mobile app. Visit azcardinals.com slash app. Touchdown, Cardinals win. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club. Oh.